people are willing to give me more rupees for Bitcoin than they are pounds for Bitcoin. That's not me, man. But to solve this all and get all your fiat currencies back in alignment, we need to figure out what everyone's willing to trade to get some of me. And I'll be the new neutral arbiter. When that happens, places like the UK have a very small impact on the world economy. And the only thing they have going for it is the fact they have all of this stolen wealth hidden in banks all around the world, but it's hidden in things that are gonna start trending towards zero against Bitcoin. And if those people wanna protect their wealth, they gotta pull it out of those places that they've stashed all their stolen wealth and move it into this thing called Bitcoin. And when that happens, that's when we get the massive wealth redistribution. If you got one Bitcoin, when all the stolen wealth of India comes flooding into Bitcoin, you're gonna be doing okay. They'll, they'll still be doing okay also, but you will be doing much better because- Okayer. Okayer, yeah. You're listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. I'm Ian. That's Keon. And, and we're, we're the, the Recepies. My husband loves Bitcoin, and once a week, I let him talk my ear off about it. Yeah, I'm a real cheap date. Cheap, maybe, but it's a lot of work. If I'm going to do something, may as well do it the best way possible. And Flirting with Bitcoin is audience funded without ads or sponsors. Mm-hmm. This ain't your grandma's podcast. This is podcasting 2.0. But we can't do this for free, babe. We have Bitcoin to buy and a new mouth to feed. <laughs> See, our son agrees with me. If and when people enjoy the show, they can support us by giving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they're listening. They can share episodes on their social media. And of course, they can send us some money. Obviously, I prefer Bitcoin. And the best way to send us some is through our two favorite apps, Strike and Fountain. Ah, let's explain how that works at the end of the episode for anyone curious. Sure, babe. But I still like real money. And so if you want to support us... Babe, babe, Bitcoin is real money. Sure, but if you want to support us with old school money, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and subscribe. We offer monthly and yearly subscriptions that come out to less than a dollar an episode. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show to cash in on our bounty program. Make that money, honey. Y'all ready? Hey, Keon, you ready, baby? Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola to Spain. Guten Tag, Germany. Sawadee, Thailand. Hola, Brazil. Good day, Canada. Good day, UK. Hola, Argentina. Buongiorno, Italy. Namaskara, Nepal. And, and howdy, howdy to, to Texas. Texas. And hi to all of our other listeners out there. One of our uh, listeners left a note that said hi from Swaziland, and I thought that was really cool. So we have one listener in Swaziland. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So hi to you. Hi to everyone. Um, um, it's always, like, just really cool. I know it can be any country, right? We have listeners everywhere but just once in a while i'm like really there there's someone there that's listening to us that's the beauty of cell phones they've penetrated every corner of the world the internet yeah it's really it's crazy thailand has just been steady moving up the ranks they're our third most listened to location speaking really? of location yeah. Aww, and we love thailand so much we went there on vacation how many years ago four years ago feels like a different life it does feel yeah <laughs> like we can do that anytime soon but we loved it so much. We kept thinking, like, how can we live here? But it wasn't feasible. For many reasons. For many reasons. But wow, Thailand is amazing. And like, I think this is a pretty typical opinion of like expats that want to go live in Thailand. But like, we loved Chiang Mai. It wasn't even like oh, about the beaches. Like in Chiang Mai, we were like, we could live here. That was pretty chill. Yeah, really um, cool place. Really reminded us kind of of the vibe of the neighborhood that we used to live in in D.C. We kind of outgrew it. We're a little bit more domesticated. But yeah, shout out to Thailand and everywhere. I love how international this pod is. We're an international couple. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why is that funny? I was not born in America. We both have American passports. <laughs> so? When you get off the plane in the international part of the world. You have one think, passport. I have two, honey. Yeah, but you only flash one of them. That's true. That's true. It's a so. powerful passport. But it's not the most powerful passport anymore. Did you know that? Yes. What's the most powerful? I don't know, but I know it's not the United States. We've been making a lot of enemies lately. The most powerful passport, according to like the experts, is Singapore. Who are these experts? I don't know. The internet. Okay. Okay. Was this like a, a poll? <laughs> Did they just poll the internet to see which they thought was the most powerful passport? Okay, well, passport? maybe it, <laughs> go, according to Google. But I will say there's like a list and the whole like major gotcha headline was like it's not America. And I think for the longest time, people thought that like the American passport was the most valuable passport. It is for other reasons, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're just talking about number of countries you can enter without any real hassle, it was never America since at least (laughs) 9-11. And uh, we've only been making more enemies since then. So this isn't a show about passports. It's not, but I'm just going to say, because, you know, we have a lot of listeners out there. So like in case they didn't know, it's based on the number of destinations that you can freely travel to without a visa. So Singapore is number one. And then Germany, Italy, and Spain are lumped together. Austria, Finland, France, Japan, Luxembourg, South Korea, and Sweden are third place. And fourth place is Denmark, Ireland, Netherlands, UK. Fifth is Belgium, Czech Republic, Balta, New Zealand, Norway, Portugal, and Switzerland. Sixth is Australia, Hungary, and Poland. Seventh is Canada and Greece. Eighth is Lithuania and the United States. So we're up there. Nine, Latvia, Slovakia, Slovenia, and 10 is Estonia and Iceland. Worst passports. Oof, I didn't make it, but I, my, my country's one of them probably. That's probably like the almost worst. 101 is Syria, 102 is Iraq, and 103 is Afghanistan. Countries and passports are just a made up construct. I remember once I was looking at the comments of a post that had to do with passports. And it was a younger person being like, I always forget that I'm not allowed to just go anywhere I want. And it freaks me out. And I was like, wow, yeah, if you're a young person and you've never traveled and you haven't like dipped your feet into what it's like to go in and out of customs, it hasn't hit you yet how trapped you are. You could get where you're trying to go and they could put you on a plate and send you right back. Yeah. Well, with that said, like the internet brings us together. This pod is like connecting us to so many people. So it's really cool. I hope I never get over how cool it is. How many people around the world listen to us just like talk about Bitcoin and other things. Like passports. Like passports. What time is it, babe? The current time is 8.05.104. We are approximately 677 blocks since our last recording. Ooh, we got it under 1,000. And we're only uh, 34,896 blocks until the halving. Yeah, and so hopefully... The difference in blocks per episode is a little lower going forward. We're going to try to be a little better about it. Well, this brings up an interesting point, right? So there's one thing in like the Bitcoin lingo that we don't talk about a lot, and that's the difficulty adjustment that happens roughly every two weeks and how that affects what I'm saying, which is we don't really know when a block is going to be in the future. We don't know when the halving is. Meaning we can't really know when the halving is until about probably two weeks away. Like two weeks away, you'll be able to calculate it extremely well. Four weeks away, it gets a little easier and easier and easier. And that's because, you know, as more miners come online, there's uh, all these computers that are trying to find the next block, right? 
and we'll get into the technical details of how that works. But there's a bunch of computers trying to find the next block. And the more computers there are, the more likely that it's to be found within 10 minutes. So what the Bitcoin network does is say, well, I keep track of how fast the blocks are, are found. And if it starts dipping below 10 minutes, I increase the difficulty for everyone on the network to find the next block. And that adjustment happens every two weeks. Well, basically that adjustment adjusts up when there's more and more hash rate on the network. You could equate that to more computers, but there's a possibility that you get more hash rate with the same amount of computers, right? Like Just like stronger computers? It could be stronger computers, which would be one incentive loop of like people are now incentivized to build better Bitcoin mining machines because if I can build one that's more efficient, I can win out. And so having a lot of competition mining is good because it's forcing everyone to be better. Every four years, people fall out of the mining game because the price of Bitcoin and all that fun stuff just says, well, yeah. you're not profitable anymore. As that keeps happening over the next roughly 100 years, in mm -hmm. theory, we should have the most efficient Bitcoin miners with the most efficient computers using the most efficient energy every four years. That should be the case because there's a monetary incentive to have one of those things or all of those things, really. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, how would you talk about difficulty adjustment in terms of Bitcoin Island? Yeah, like, I've <laughs> yeah, struggled. Like, wind ch is it, what is it, wind chill or, like, humidity? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I've struggled to, like, thing. work it in, like, weather-related or something, uh, which is why we never really bring it up a lot. Like, but, like index pollen amounts? Uh, I don't know. Something, something that, that... I feel like an allergen would, you know, slow, makes things more difficult right <laughs> um i mean allergens make your life more difficult that is, that is ian the, has really bad allergies everyone is that too personal for me to share with our listener <laughs> is i feel like it's a big part of your life <laughs> it is a decent oh we've uh, talked about it before we've talked about it before uh, probably just how bad allergies were for me so that's why we haven't talked about it on the show a whole lot because it doesn't really fit in the whole analogy but it is a big part of Bitcoin because it is only going to continue to get harder and harder to find the next block as more and more people get into Bitcoin mining. Great example is, you know, the story from like a year or two ago where like China banned all the Bitcoin miners. Mm -hmm. So all those computers in China allegedly shut down. And when that happened, the difficulty adjustment had to adjust down. The network made it easier for people to find blocks because all those computers left the network. Mm -hmm. So if you were profitable before they all shut off, there was like a good month and a half, two months where, you know, the network was slowly ratcheting it back up. But people who stayed in the game during that time, they actually mined more Bitcoin. Wow. Right. So Bitcoin mining is a very interesting industry because think of like any other product that's made, right? Like you're making cars or you're making, let's call it widgets, right? Mm -hmm. You make the best widget. You still have to go to the market and find a buyer. There's all these other steps to profit. Well, you usually have a lot of inputs. Or revenue, let alone profit. You usually have a lot of inputs into whatever widget you're trying mm -hmm. to make. And then at the bare minimum, you have to sell it to someone. But with Bitcoin, you have one input, which is electricity, and you have an automatic buyer, which is the Bitcoin network. Mm -hmm. You are only incentivized to get as good as possible as making your thing. As you get better at mining Bitcoin, you will be seeking out the cheapest energy on the planet. I'm going to ask you a question that's going to frustrate you. Are there Ethereum miners? No. All these other cryptos, they don't have mining? Some do. Most don't. Ethereum definitely does not. 
So how does Ethereum work? They just push out new Ethereum? We are not an Ethereum podcast. I know. Podcast. Okay, okay, okay. Let's, without talking about it, let yeah. me ask you, why are you curious about Ethereum? Like, why do you care? Oh, because Ethereum's the next big one, right? So I was thinking like, no, 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 like are I'm, people putting energy into mining things that aren't Bitcoin when like obviously Bitcoin is the one? Like, okay, fine. If you're like day trading other cryptos, whatever. But like, are there actual people that are establishing mining companies, whatever you want to call it, and it not be Bitcoin? I mean, I can't name any specifically off the top of my head, but the short answer is yes. That's fascinating. This is the problem, right? When you first come into the space, it's presented, and this is what all the altcoins try to do, mm -hmm. is that you pick from amongst yeah. like 20,000 things that you think might be the next we're big the thing. We're the better Bitcoin. Not even we're the better, it's just that we're equal, mm -hmm. right? Like at the bare minimum, they're pitching themselves as you could do Bitcoin or you could do us, mm -hmm. right? Because Bitcoin is something that is so new, people have really nothing to compare it to. The best thing they can do is compare it to what they currently know, which is the stock market. And the stock market is technically, it works that way. Like there's multiple options. Mm -hmm. You might think that Apple is going to beat Microsoft or Amazon is going to beat Walmart, yeah. right? But there's options and you do your analysis and you pick one based on analysis. But that is not what's going on here. What is going on in the crypto world is that Bitcoin is the invention, the car. You didn't put a brand on it, right? It's just the term car. Like there was a day where there was no cars and then someone made an invention and now there's a day where the word car is like in the lexicon, right? All the altcoins are Ford, Chevy, Dodge, right? Like mm -hmm. the car brands, that's what altcoins are. They are a brand on an invention. Only difference is yeah. that you can never invest in the car. Yeah. You have to invest in one of those car brands. Bitcoin, you can actually invest in the invention. I understand all of that. What I was trying to understand, though, is like, how do you get new Ethereum? I thought they all have mining. So you're not wrong, mm -hmm. but we've discussed what has happened to Ethereum on this podcast. So Ethereum used to have mining. Oh, right. Right. And then Ethereum said, that's too hard. Yeah. We're moving to proof of stake. Yeah. Right. It's basically what you think is going on, which is it's not binding and they can just create as much of it as they want and pass it around. Now, they don't do that, but that is still capabilities within the Ethereum network. Okay. And then a lot of other altcoins are built on the Ethereum network. So they follow pretty much all the Ethereum network rules and or something like Solana, which is a copy of Ethereum just made by a different company, mm -hmm. right? It's a brand of Ethereum, mm -hmm. right? Which is a brand of Bitcoin. All of those things are still masquerading as like, we are the equivalent of Bitcoin and they are not. But they have miners. Some do, some yeah, okay, don't. Okay, like, okay. It doesn't really matter. I know it doesn't like, matter. It doesn't I'm, matter. I'm, I'm just trying to like, just better understand. It's just interesting to me that, like what you're explaining, if you're a miner, period, you are trying to make the most money. And if you understand what the having is, you'll understand the difficulty adjustment, all of those things. You should be trying to become more and more efficient before the next having. Or uh, you kind of get knocked out of the game. If it's so tough for Bitcoin miners, right? If like energy costs increase drastically, like, right, uh, it's not profitable for them to do it. How are these other people doing it? They're not, is the point. Okay. Right. Like, it's so it's not a strong industry. If you get into 
some other crypto mining. And this goes the same for Bitcoin, but like your mining operation is only as valuable as the thing that it's mining mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Well, if the thing that you're mining goes to zero, right. they're out. If you want to get a little more technical about this problem, all these different crypto networks, they use different hashing algorithms. And that's a big part of mining because you're you're doing a random guess to try to find a hash and whoever makes the random guess correctly wins the block. Bitcoin uses a particular hashing function called SHA-256. I don't know how many other crypto networks use that same hashing algorithm, but I don't think it's many. The ones that I know for sure are people who forked off of Bitcoin, mm -hmm. right? So Bcash and SVB and uh, whatever the other one was, they kept the, the SHA-256. But if you're mining a coin that does not use that hashing algorithm and you bought like purpose-built mining equipment, you can't even use it to mine Bitcoin. Oh. So like a lot of people who are mining things that aren't Bitcoin, they can't just come over when their thing fails. They got to like offload their Dang. equipment and buy new equipment. So like everything that but you're kind of like- making a choice. They are. Yeah. Okay. Everyone in this industry is making a value judgment, mm. right? And there are some advantages to going and mining those altcoins, right? One being like, well, if you get in before the run up and get a bunch of it, sell it. Sell, yeah. Okay. If you take your profits and go buy Bitcoin, that's like a business to buy Bitcoin, right? Yeah. But also, then why probably not? less competition. I don't know the economics yeah. of mining altcoins, but what I will say is that the hashing algorithm is a big reason why if your coin that's not Bitcoin doesn't make it, you can't just bring your equipment over and join the Bitcoin network. I haven't done any real digging on this, but I would hope that if someone's spinning up a crypto today, that they are at least using SHA-256 so that it doesn't become completely <laughs> yeah. worthless, right? Like you might have your coin value, but at least the number of miners you built up, they still have some value, right? Because all the coins are going to zero against Bitcoin, right? They're all going to zero. Like everything is going to not go to zero, but is all trending towards zero against Bitcoin. I don't even know if mining is like the right term. I've described this before and also like discussing it with you now. Like Bitcoin miners are not like digging in the earth to find something mm -hmm. mining. Bitcoin miners are actually like creating new earth, mm -hmm. right? Like every 10 minutes. My man is so poetic. When we were on our honeymoon and I was like, I got an idea for something I want to do. Mm -hmm. Like this was kind of that idea, which is I wanted to visualize the Bitcoin island that mm -hmm. we talk about. I wanted yeah. to visualize it growing. And the way that was going to happen was you would animate it in every 10 blocks. A new yeah, little piece of the island the would like come into play and then trees with stuff would start growing yeah. for Bitcoin that had it moved. At that time, I did not understand enough about like full nodes to really understand how to like get that data. If anyone can to help do you that. in with this idea. I think it's a good one. I understand enough about full nodes now to understand how to get that data and like build that visualization. Mm -hmm. But like Bitcoin mining, I think, does it a disservice because we talk about Bitcoin Island and that there's 2.1 quadrillion acres, yeah. but that's not true. There's only 19 million acres right now. Mm -hmm. And there's another 2 million to be like reclaimed, yeah. right? Like the Dutch. It's like reverse rising sea levels, falling sea levels. Kind of, right? <laughs> yeah. Kind of. And so like, uh, that's what Bitcoin- Maybe that's like a volcano that's erupting and yes, creating. Yes, yes, yes. That's what it is. So like it spews Eruption. lava, <laughs> it spews lava every 10 minutes and then it everything grows back before yeah. the next 10 minutes, something like that. Um, and that's some fertile land, you it's know. Very fertile, yeah. right? And so this is this is my this is my point though is like the Bitcoin miners they're creating new land every ten minutes, 
And that fertile land, right, you could call it like farmland to grow crops on. Mm -hmm. Michael Saylor calls it like the digital Manhattan. Every 10 minutes, a new block. Don't bring dirty New York City into my island. All right. Well, they're both islands, right? Yeah. Fine. Fine. That's true. That's true. Fine. 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 Uh, Montreal. Oh, okay, okay. Nicer? Much okay. cleaner. Much cleaner. Okay. Shout okay. out to my Canadians. Yeah. Y'all have good hygiene. You clean your streets. But anyway, <sighs> to close this that's thought some, out. Like, that's some like clean white snow that you can just lick without worrying about pollution. And I say that because when I was four years old, I lived in Canada. And then we moved to America. And the snow is so dirty in America. I was like, what is this? Where did you bring me? <laughs> I was so mad at my parents. As a four-year-old would be. Mad about the <laughs> snow quality. I ate so much snow in Canada. Anyways, babe, I'm sorry that I went off on such a tangent, but I think it was really good. It was a good discussion. Let's go back to sunny Bitcoin Island. If I give you a dollar, how many acres could I get? Today, you could get 3,833 acres, aka Satoshis, on sunny Bitcoin Island. And what about other tangible things? Eggs, beef, gas. Yeah, you could get a dozen eggs for 4,254 Satoshis. You could get pound of ground beef for 13,790 Satoshis. And you can get a gallon of gas for 10,149 Satoshis. This is all according to PricedInBitcoin21.com. Unfortunately, last week, Ian wanted to talk about a lot of stuff. I went off on a tangent and he didn't get to. And already I've- And then you started the show with a tangent. So I'm going to be quiet, babe, and uh, let you get to it. You don't have to be quiet. It's just you're a tangent machine sometimes. (laughs) Wow, babe, you're such a flirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) What's wrong, babe? I don't know. I guess I'm worried I'm not saving enough money in Bitcoin. Aren't we all? You don't seem worried. Like with most things, you just got to set a goal and work towards it. But even with a goal, the price of Bitcoin changes so much, it's hard to keep track. I understand. That's why I created the Satoshi Savings Calculator. And how can that help? First, you decide how much Bitcoin you want to acquire. One Bitcoin. Great. Then you got to decide how much time you want to give yourself to acquire that Bitcoin. Before the next halving, duh. That's also great because the calculator only lets you pick halving dates. Anything else I need to enter? Just how often you want to buy and which currency you want to use. Oh, so rather than buying it all at once? To loosely quote Desmond Tutu, if you want to save a whole Bitcoin, you got to do it like you eat an elephant. One bite at a time. That's gross, Ian. But true. Focus, babe. Where can I find this calculator? The pod's website, flirtingwithbitcoin.com. Wait, you haven't been to the website yet? Um, let's get back to the show. Thank you so much for the info, babe. We, we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> what did we miss? Um, right. So we, we missed it. There was actually three holidays that we were going to just kind of go over last week. So the 21st was Infinity Day. Which is 8 over 21. So the 8 okay. looks like an infinity symbol. On the 22nd, it was the summer solstice, mm. which is Persian holiday. Yes. Um, and Not just Persian, but yeah. It's Persian because it's your holiday. Yes, yes. Because uh, we're an international couple, as I said. Sure, Thank you. Sure, Thank sure. you. But, you know, on the show, we kind of talk about how the solstices are the equivalent of the having. It's based on math. We know exactly what it's going to happen. There's nothing any government or person could do that could change when a solstice is going to happen. Yeah. There's no Jerome Powell of solstices. Oh, they try, but they can't. <laughs> There's no like Jackson Hole meeting about when is the spring, <laughs> so- when is Noru's going to be this year. <laughs> and then the third one was Activation Day, which is on the 23rd when SegWit, which is a feature of Bitcoin, was first like deployed onto the I've never Bitcoin heard of this. network. 
All you need to know about SegWit is that it brought the fees of Bitcoin transactions down dramatically. Okay. That's the important part. I feel like Bitcoin has a lot of holidays the way that we have like National Donut Day. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a holiday holiday. I, I this, know. There's a website called. I don't get a gift for it. <laughs> you do not. Where are um, my flowers? <laughs> um, you get cheaper Bitcoin transactions forever. Oh, okay. okay right? Okay, okay. Um, but there's a website called Bitcoin.Holiday that the domain is .Holiday and they have a calendar with like different events on it, such as um, Infinity Day, Pizza Day, Having Day. Is there a way that you like going forward would like us to celebrate any of these holidays? No. No? Okay. <laughs> okay. We technically have Infinity Day hats. We right? do. Yeah, we do. Um, but- Ian, Ian has been working on merch and we have some samples that we wear, but we need to get that going. Um, but we wear pod gear. If you see us out on the streets, we have infinity day hats. No one sees us in the streets. We have a baby now. <laughs> we're at home in our basement recording a podcast. Uh, yeah. So those were the, the three things that we were going to talk about to like start the show last week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you, can you, can we let it go, baby? No, I'm just saying like <laughs> I this think is, last week's episode was great. Last week's episode <laughs> was great. This is just what we did not talk about. It's an entire episode's worth. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see if I'll, you'll get through it this time. Let's All see right. if I'll get through What's it. What's something else that I kept you from telling me last week? So the, the website formerly known as Unchained Capital, because they're just Unchained now. You know, every time... Oh, are they? Rebranding. Every time you say Unchained Capital, my mind goes to Unchained Melody. And in my mind, it goes, Whoa, my love, my da-. Did you know that? Do you ever think of it? No. Your mind always goes to Unchained Capital. I didn't know that was the name of that song. You t- So there's no way my brain could have How are you the American in this relationship? <laughs> I know a lot more than you do when it comes to Americanism. Um, have you seen the movie Ghost? Yes. I know Oh, it's I guess the you know the song. You just didn't know that's what it, the, Don't the know band the name was called. Okay, of the band. Anyway, so now they're called Unchained even more. The mind's going to go to Unchained Melody. They you're know. Just, they you're know. just not going to let me get through this <laughs> No, I'm just telling you. Every time you say it, that's what I hear in my, my mind. And it's also, you know, a romantic song. I'm looking in deep into your eyes. I've hungered for your touch. Cool. I feel it. <sighs> yeah, that's why they put that song in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it did its job. All right. What's Unchained up to? Why did they rebrand, do you think? Because they don't want capital in the name? I don't know. It might just be a intellectual property thing, like something else being named Unchained Capital and they couldn't use it. Oh, okay, right? okay, okay. So Unchained have seen massive inflows of new customers. People are wanting to buy Bitcoin and they're wanting to hold it in a way that validates Unchained's business model, which is multi-sig collaborative custody, mm-hmm. which I'm not gonna say that there's a debate, but there's a lot of people that say like, you should just hold your Bitcoin offline completely and not rely on something like Unchained Capital. But Unchained has a number of products that I think are important for people who are coming into Bitcoin who might not know anything about it. The first two, which are collaborative custody. Yeah, like what are families supposed to do without something like Unchained? We all learn how the hardware wallet works and we all trust everyone and we're done with it. And we say no one will ever know what money we have going forward. Yeah. Right. There's no record if you do it that way. If you put money. Shadiest way. It's not shady. I know. It's not shady. Secure. Secure is relative. Yeah. It's just that's one way of Private. doing it as uh, privacy. Yeah, that's privacy. What it is. That's the word. But Unchained provides 
collaborative custody. It provides like in the case of a death, like you could still get mm-hmm. access to things, right? Um, they have yeah. they have like inheritance planning, so mm-hmm. like it kind of gets passed along. And the whole time that this is going for you on Unchained, like they can never touch your Bitcoin. Don't they also do loans? They do do loans. And loan product has also seen a burst of activity in like the beginning of 2023 where people were borrowing against their Bitcoin. I would just guess that people were willing to borrow against it at 15,000 because they kind of thought that was the bottom. Okay. So usually it's safer to borrow at the bottom because there's no way that it's going to drop further Mm -hmm. and you get margin called. That's just me doing some very back of the napkin math why they might see an increase in loans at the bottom of the cycle. That's an interesting um, metric. They're doing well. Unchained is doing well. And Unchained, I think, is a good like litmus test for the Bitcoin market. Uh, What I would say are higher wealth individuals that might be moving in hundreds of thousands of dollars Uh or millions of dollars. Oh, interesting. It's not publicly traded. So they're just announcing these numbers. They're not publicly traded. So someone told someone. Okay. Okay. Right. right, I'm sure they told the world. They're a good company to talk about when you're talking about like Bitcoin adoption, Mm -hmm. because they're like a pseudo metric for a certain type of person coming into the space. But they have competitors who do the same thing. They kind of don't at the moment. Everyone kind of does a piece of Mm -hmm. certain things, but not everyone does everything. And it feels to me like Unchained does the most. We went through the different options and like you recommend Unchained because it does kind of give you a portfolio of options, right? It's just that Unchained operates like your more typical wealth manager. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that we only manage in one thing for you, yeah. right? It's like, if you want us to manage your stock portfolio, the first thing we're going to tell you to do, this is not what Unchained says, but this is just me being facetious. The first thing we're going to tell you to do is sell your stock portfolio <laughs> and buy Bitcoin, yeah. right? Uh, because that's what they do. You could transfer a Roth in and your Roth might have like a bunch of stocks in it. They can only do Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So you have to close your Roth out, move the cash, and they buy all Bitcoin with your cash. So they just manage one thing for you, but they do it in a way that's extremely similar to what most people are used to with a a wealth manager. A lot of people bringing wealth to Unchained Capital to manage in the form of Bitcoin, which is great. We don't get numbers from like Stripe. I mean, we get some numbers from Cash App when they say like we made $5 billion from Bitcoin sales. People will try to extrapolate their fees and figure out like metrics. But Unchained Capital seeing growth is like they were positioning themselves pretty much for this wave that's about to come. Right. The wave that's coming that we're talking about, the having and mm-hmm. institutional investors, they are positioned to be like a fidelity of the Bitcoin. Aww, world. Congrats to them. So another company in the Bitcoin space, they're called the Orange Pill app. So this is the company that kind of organized that book drive that I went to. Where we handed out on, books at on the, the hill. Ca- on the hill. Yeah. So they organized that one of the developers, like all of them were there, actually. Like the three main guys were there at the event. Well, they just raised $250,000 in like seed capital. Congrats to them. Um, And, you know, I use the app not regularly because it's not my number one app in my phone, but like I use it enough. I have a couple of chats going on with people on there. It's not Twitter, but it could grow to be the Twitter. Was this like supposed to be a dating app first and then? It started as that. My husband has a dating app on his phone. It started as that. Um, But but it's not that now. It's more. Yeah, yeah, baby, yeah. baby, baby, you don't understand. You don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't a dating app. Yeah, no. This um, is a, you know, so they've Bitcoin. branded. I don't think the dating thing worked, and they've rebranded it as the social layer of the Bitcoin space, right? So like all the Bitcoiners would be on there. It's like Bitcoin Are people grinder. Sending you emojis. 
No. In the messages? No. no? Okay. No. Okay. No. Those guys are doing pretty well. The app is pretty cool. And I'm pretty certain, I'm like 95% certain about this. Like, it's the official app for the Bitcoin conference in Nashville. Okay. So, like, I don't know what that means today, but I envision that it'll probably be like the app you use at the event. It'll probably have like a map of the event with all of the booths and stuff. Like, that's usually what those type of apps are. Okay. So, Either A, they're going to build that all into the app for like a one-time thing, or B, it could become like the app for all the Bitcoin conferences. And then it's more utilitarian where no matter what Bitcoin conference you go, you open up the Orange Pill app. Like that would be pretty cool. Like a unified app for the traveling circus, as I've started calling it, of Bitcoin conferences. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, congratulations to them. 250 is not anything to uh, laugh at. It's a decent amount to start with. There's a lot of places that they can take that app. The door is really wide open for them. So I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, It's younger than Fountain, to just put in perspective, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, these are very new things that, like, we're... We, that we kind of use and are talking about. A newer dating app to yeah, check yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right, baby. What else is going um, on? And then the last thing is that like keeping in the vein of social layer is, you know, the story that we talked about a while ago. So this is some Nostra news. Domus was forced to like remove zaps from the app to uh-huh. stay on the app store for Apple. Well, there was this other app called Current which was basically a Domus app plus a Bitcoin wallet combined. I downloaded it like on day one. It wasn't great, but I downloaded it again when I saw this ad or this, this news story about them and it's gotten a lot better. They actually have Zaps in their app, basically a Nostra client, and they kind of shared with the community the conversation that they had with Apple, mm. like the back and forth of how Apple let them keep Zaps in, but didn't let Domus keep Zaps in. We'll link to all these articles in the show notes, but basically the way that Current was able to keep Zaps in their app. Uh, so I just want to read directly from the like back and forth between the app Current and the AARS, which is Apple App Review Support. Hello, we've reviewed the latest version of your app and noticed that you have a Zap feature on posts. As per our guidelines, you need to implement in-app purchases for such features. And then Current responds like, Uh, The the Zap feature is just a fun addition. Could you specify why we need to add in-app purchases? And so they go back and forth with them. And then basically the current guys just ask the question differently. And they go, how do I even know to track if the sats are from IAP or users sending it between each other? Apple rep goes, we don't care or control how you manage them. All we need is for you to implement in-app purchases, in-app purchasing sats. So they were like, oh, as long as we just implement this stupid thing that you want us to, you won't force us to take the zapping functionality out. And so Apple just wanted their in-app purchases like library in the app. Now, I'm guessing by putting that in your app, they get some type of tracking on your app that they don't have if you don't put that in there. And they're not going to the rep isn't going to say that they just wanted the app maker to put an extra library and UI prompt in their app. So they did that. And they got to keep zaps in their app. But no one's going to use it. There's nothing to buy. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, Apple is weird. And this is what bureaucracy does. Eventually, a bunch of rules just get put in place and they don't even make sense. And do you think that that chat was AI? No. No? Okay. You think that was a real person saying it? I don't believe that Apple has implemented artificial intelligence to have 
chat conversations for Apple app reviews with app makers. I don't think that has happened yet. Yet. It will. Okay. Right? I just, I don't think they've done that yet. I think Apple is working on um, a virtual headset. I think that's where they're focused at. So I think Donna's going to go do this and resubmit. I hope so. Yeah. It's a very simple thing. They said, okay, we'll do that. You want us to implement in-app purchases, but make it optional. They said, yes, we don't control how you implement it. They said, all right, cool. Thanks. Can we have a little more time to like add that? They said, we'll give you two weeks. They just got to add it as like an optional feature in their app and everything's good to go. The drama from before of like Apple's coming for zaps. I don't know if that's like 100% true, Mm. but I do think that like, I still think that that was like a test. Yeah, I mean. I think it was a test. But I also think that like when you use their playbook against them, you just are following the rules now. You need to explain the rules more clearly to me. And the rules say you just have to put the in-app purchasing in. We don't care what you do or how you do it because they can't actually manage that. They can't be tracking all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, were you guys overreacting or not? I, I don't think it was an overreaction. I think brought a light to the fact that these apps, specifically Domus at the time, were totally dependent on being in the app store. Mm-hmm. And so whether it was targeting Domus or not, there was literally a company that could deny Domus access. When that happened, it kind of showed everybody like, oh, we need other distribution channels. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty certain Will was already working on an Android version. Yeah. Like now it's like you definitely need an Android version, mm-hmm. number one. And number two, like everyone was like, oh, you could still be on Apple if you do like a web progressive app. Right. Mm -hmm. And you do all these other things. So people started figuring out, like, how do we get around this ridiculous barrier? The current guys just were like, well, we're going straight into the fire. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to we're going to socially engineer you. Right. And maybe that's what they did to this reviewer, you know, like just pointed out to him how ridiculous it was. And their response was, well, I don't care. So we don't care. And let's keep it moving. We'll oh, we'll see. see. How, yeah, we'll see how this plays out. Babe, how am I doing? I'm not going off on my tangents, right? Are we doing good? I mean, I'm not paying attention. I feel like you know when we're on a tangent. <laughs> yes, true. Um, if you're asking me to tell you when we're on a tangent, <laughs> like... I just want to say one thing. Why do we need the Orange Pill app if we have Noster? So... Can't a relay just do what that app is doing? Technically, yes, but no. Um, so it does other things. Because it has its origins in like a dating app, there's like a fine local Bitcoin. You said it, not me. Dating app on your phone. I've been said that. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is like a massive. I want to go on record for being like a really cool, chill wife. <laughs> if that's what you need, noted. So because it has its origins in that concept, there's like a find local Bitcoiners kind of feature. Mm. So when you open up the app, people who have said like, you can know where my location is. It kind of looks like a dating app, which says, here's a Bitcoin that's two miles away, five swiping? miles away. There's no swiping. <laughs> <sighs> there's no swiping. Well, there's Bitcoin events. Mm-hmm. So if you have the app and you've kind of let the app know where you are, the app can tell you, oh, there's a Bitcoin right. event I see. It's nearby. A so like there's a Bitcoin, there's a DC meetup for Bitcoin that started happening down on K Street. And the app was just like, hey, like there's an event in your area, mm. right? So that's like where it's at right now. And it's just trying to link Bitcoiners to events where other Bitcoiners are going to be at. The BTC conference being the biggest event Mm -hmm. that there is. So do we need that? I don't know. Someone gave them 250K because they think we need that. Uh, Hopefully the Orange Pill app team can. I mean, I will say I do feel like a lot of Bitcoiners who listen to our pod would enjoy something like that because it does seem like a lot of them are kind of isolated. The same way that you kind of are. 
in your real life? I mean, like isolated is a relative term. Do you think that like getting together in person is a different type of exchange? Yeah, yeah. In person, like you don't have a lot of people that you can just like sit down with, have a meal and talk Bitcoin. Except for me. Except for when you're like, I do not want to talk about that right now. (laughs) Can I just be on my phone and TikTok it up? Can you just let me TikTok for 30 minutes before you bring that Bitcoin nonsense back to me? We're talking about it right now, though, aren't we? We are. Episode is going well, yeah? I think so. Wish I had the time to make some clips to promote it. Yeah, but you don't. That's why we pay our listeners to do that. Mm, How does that work again? When someone makes a clip on Fountain, we send them some sets. But give me the fine print, baby. It's $250 for the current episode and $100 for the older ones. And also if they tweet it out, right? They gotta use the hashtag FlirtingWithBitcoinClips and post it on Noster for me to see it. Then I'll zap those same amounts. That's pretty generous, babe. Our listeners are pretty generous with their time making the clips. Well, isn't this just a lucrative love fest for us all? More like it pays to listen to the Flirting With Bitcoin coin podcast babe are we gonna talk about argentina hopefully all right what's going on in argentina as i said last episode they had a primary election in argentina the winner of that primary got about 30 percent of the vote and the winner of that primary is an open avid bitcoiner um, and he basically has said that if he wins the election he is going to abolish the central bank of argentina that's a big deal you don't normally hear presumptive presidents of countries saying that they're going to abolish the central bank of their country. Yes, it's a very big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, That being said, you do have RFK Jr. saying the same thing here in our elections. Um, And you do have more people, more than zero people, kind of getting on board with this idea going on around the world in countries that are basically having currency crises, right? Like, I'm sure if Lebanon was holding elections, the person who's running for Lebanon is going to be like, and we're going to fix the banks of Lebanon too, right? Right. So it's like a talking point. If you want to be in charge in the world right now, you basically have to have an opinion on the central bank, Mm -hmm. which they've managed to operate in a way that like you didn't have to have an opinion on them for a very long time. And now they're kind of like being pulled out of the shadows. Ironically, it's happening in Argentina, who has had some of the worst inflation in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we in the States have at least the Fed claims it's 2% a year. Argentina has had tens of thousands of percent of inflation. So the people of Argentina, I would argue, uh, for Argentinian listeners, you know, chime in below if you're listening on Fountain to like tell us what you think about this guy. They, because of inflation, are very aware of the problems of money. They may not know all the mechanics of why it is, just like here in the States, you Mm -hmm. know, but they have actually been suffering the effects of what a runaway inflationary economy is for about 10 to 15 years. Um, There, Some people would argue that they're just like one or two steps above what's going on in Venezuela, where it just completely collapsed. Right. So this is a big deal. There's a lot of speculation that forget the Bitcoin part. He just got a lot of the vote because he's going to at least said he's going to go after the central bankers um, and that he has chosen Bitcoin as his plan of attack for the central bankers. So he's just bringing a whole lot of spotlight and heat to Bitcoin, heat in a good way, but like attention and spotlight to Bitcoin because People who are, we'll just say the yuppie elite, like I think they would mm-hmm. fall into this category. Like they know enough to know what's going on in the world. They probably know a little bit about what's going on in Argentina. And if you tell them that there's a presidential candidate that's saying he's going to abolish the central bank of Argentina, even they probably get what that means. Mm-hmm. Because what's happened in Argentina has been so bad that like 
yet kind to everyone knows what's going on. So because everyone kind of has a frame of reference for this particular issue, like they didn't have that for El Salvador, but he's coming in and he's not saying I got a new plan per se. He's pretty much saying I'm running the Bukele playbook. Is Bukele, has he said anything about this? I haven't followed it enough to know what Bukele has said, but I do know that he has invoked El Salvador and Bukele's success as if you want to know what I'm going to do, go look over there. <laughs> and so now you got people that are looking at El Salvador being like, oh, what is going on over here? I thought it was a country full of drugs and gangs. And, you know, it's like, no, actually, like, don't look at the method. Look at the outcome. It's actually doing really well. So, like, I don't know. I look at both, but yeah. Well, I don't know if you could compare the, like, crime aspect of Argentina and El Salvador. I don't know that much about the Argentinian crime problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would imagine that in an inflationary world, you have an abnormal amount of crime. So, yeah, like, if this happens in Argentina, like, there are a bunch of other South American countries that are kind of in the same boat. If this guy wins and even tries to do what he said he's going to try to do, I think that there will just be two countries in South America and then four countries in yeah, South America it'll because set it off. this type of rhetoric is wit is a witty rhetoric mm-hmm. for the global South, but you got to understand Bitcoin to know how to talk that rhetoric. You know, also like, you know, <laughs> in recent years, fascism has been on the rise and like fascist candidates. <laughs> it's like they were on trend. <laughs> Maybe like Bitcoin candidates are the new trend. <laughs> Really, because they were like, oh, this is a model that works. I will run on this and I'll win because this is like a different angle. And, it, you know, like as, sure, as silly yeah, as yeah. that sounds, you know what I'm saying? Like yes. fascist talking points were suddenly winning talking points. And the Bitcoin talking point, it got Bukele into office. It could get this guy into office. And then that just becomes the standard playbook for how to get elected in a country that's dealing with outrageous inflation. Yeah, I mean, politicians, if they see something's winning, exactly. all of a sudden they care about mm-hmm. it, right? And the best example of that is Ted Cruz. Like, if Ted Cruz is on board with something, it must be winning because <laughs> that dude only rides coattails. But no, so like, I, I say Argentina is important because when this guy is talking, he's not saying, I'm going to do something crazy. He's saying, I'm doing what that guy is doing yeah. and look at the results that he has yeah. seen. And that is a much more powerful platform or statement or for lack of a better term promise to make is that we in the west you know north of mexico and east of the atlantic don't really care about what's going on in the global south but people in the global south care about what's going on in the global south and all those countries were watching el salvador and seeing if they could dig themselves out of that imf hole that they were in Mm -hmm. the global south africa the rest of the world understands what the imf has done to all these countries with these loans. And your only two options right now to get out of these loans from the IMF, well, you got three, but you probably don't want to take that. Third one, um, you either take money from China, right? So you take money from China to pay off your IMF loan, and now you owe China money instead of the IMF, just trading out masters. Or you, you try this new playbook called Bitcoin. El Salvador said, we're not taking any more loans from the IMF. And the IMF did like a two-year smear campaign about how El Salvador was going to collapse and this was the worst decision they could make and their GDP was going to plummet and everything they said was going to happen, the exact opposite has happened. Everyone in the global south saw that. Anyone that's remotely awake in the global south saw that. They saw El Salvador in the process of like paying off all these loans to the IMF because of Bitcoin and GDP growth and Mm -hmm. rebuilding their own economies. And they're all just sitting around a table 
going, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. That's all they're doing. That's why the IMF was so afraid of El Salvador doing it. They didn't really care if El Salvador failed more or paid off the loans. They knew that it was going to be a lightning rod. Everyone else has been trapped the same way. Here we are two years later. And literally, like I said, there's Venezuela and then there's Argentina as far as inflation. That guy is like, we're going to Bitcoin. What happens when Brazil goes to Bitcoin? What happens when Mm -hmm. Colombia goes to Bitcoin, right? I talked to somebody the other day. He's in Colombia. Why? Apparently they like Bitcoin or at least they're lax on crypto or whatever. You know, people are just taking their wealth wherever they're friendly to them. I think the global south is going to be very friendly to Bitcoin very soon. Can we take a detour to London? I have a friend in London right now and she's been there for one day. And she said, everything is so outrageously expensive and you can feel how bad the economy is. And we talked about London a while ago about how hard they were being hit. But it's pretty surprising that it feels that way to a tourist in August. Not to me. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. My question initially was, how is it there? Like, how expensive is everything? Like, I had a feeling it was going to be bad, but I was pretty surprised at how instantly like hit she was with how bad things are there right now. You know, there's all this financial stuff that's going on, banks collapsing and stuff that's Mm -hmm. going on between North America and Europe or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's just a running joke that says like anything that happens in Europe is eight to 12 months away from happening in the States, Mm -hmm. right? Anything that happens in London is probably like one to two decades happening in the States. Mm -hmm. London has been in decline our entire lives. Mm -hmm. There's been no point where London was like heading up and to the right. Yeah. There were some periods where it appeared like that, right? Especially when the the EU was formed and London joined and they opened up all the borders and they could suck in all the brain power from Europe because they opened up their borders. It looked like London was, and the UK was kind of rebuild the glory of the empire. People were, I don't know, being facetious here, but like, People thought things were on the up and up. No. Euro was very powerful for a while. Not because of the UK's economy. It was not. (laughs) It was France and Germany, right? Okay. The United Kingdom has been in decline since they lost India, Mm -hmm. right? When you don't have a billion people to rob, the actual value of your country Mm -hmm. becomes well known. And it's not worth a lot. Now, they stole a lot. You know, I watched a thing the other day that says they stole like... $50 $50 trillion from India. You can ride out $50 trillion for a long time. Uh, we only have a $32 trillion deficit in the United States today. Wow. So like people have calculated that London stole more from India than we've even racked up in debt. And look what all we've built. We got like 11 aircraft carriers yeah, with our London debt. London shown for it? They have survived being irrelevant. So London is the city of the UK. Mm-hmm. Now go look at New York City, right? New York City you know, in the 70s and the the oil crisis and all that fun stuff, like New York City was not a great place. Then don't look at the method, look at the results. You got a guy named Giuliani comes in Mm -hmm. and cleans up, air quotes here, but cleans up the city. And again, people are looking at New York like, oh, it's on the up and up. Things are turning up so well. Now he's in jail. But I'm bunch. Well, he's he's out. He's out on bail. um, But the point is, is that like New York City, like whatever's happening in London, like that's the future of New York City. It's going to take a while. Yeah. But unless we find an India to go steal $50 trillion from, we have no way of paying our debt back. Mm -hmm. That's where bringing it all back to Bitcoin comes in, is that there's no more people to steal from, right? Like China was the last one. We got a good 30 years out of them, cheap labor, cheap whatever. They have now built themselves up enough where they're like, 
mm -mm, that's not happening anymore. They start stretching their arms and asserting themselves. And it's like, well, crap, who's left? Africa. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see now is the scramble into Africa to try to do the same thing. But because of the Internet, the game's up. A lot of those countries were able to steal the world because they were arbitraging information, right? Like India, the average person in India did not have a podcast to listen to to find out what was going on mm -hmm. in London. Today, I know what's going on in the presidential elections in Argentina. So because of that, we have to find a new game to play. It can't be we go around the planet exploiting each other. Right. And Bitcoin brings a new game to play that says, okay, rather than competing, let's cooperate. We don't know. We can't use people to negotiate how we're going to resolve this crazy predicament we've gotten ourselves into with fiat currencies and nothing being pegged to gold or anything like that. We're not going to, people are not going to resolve that. We need a, a neutral arbiter who has no skin in the game, mm -hmm. has no allegiance to any country, right? And just sits there and like the congressional people like to say, and calls balls and strikes, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Bitcoin is that. Bitcoin says, look, man, I don't know what to tell you. People are willing to give me more rupees for Bitcoin than they are pounds for Bitcoin. That's not me, man. Mm -hmm. Right? That's, that's not me. But to solve this all and get all your fiat currencies back in alignment, we need to figure out what everyone's willing to trade to get some of me. And I'll be the new neutral arbiter. When that happens, you will see that places like the UK have a very small impact on the world economy. And the only thing they have going for it is the fact they have all of this stolen wealth hidden in banks all around the world, but it's hidden in things that are going to start trending towards zero against Bitcoin. And if those people want to protect their wealth, they got to pull it out of those places that they've stashed all their stolen wealth and move it into this thing called Bitcoin. And when that happens, that's when we get the massive wealth redistribution. Because all the people who needed it and figured it out, like middle and lower class people, if you got one Bitcoin, when all the stolen wealth of India comes flooding into Bitcoin, you're going to be doing okay. They'll, they'll still be doing okay also, but you will be doing much better. Okayer. Okayer, yeah. So I know you called me a tangent machine, but I would prefer that you call me a tangent queen. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll be merch in the store. When we have a store, queen. we have a store that is that is Mondana's custom shirt. If anybody wants to buy it because they know what it means, go ahead. But that is definitely merch. Tangent queen. I like that. I'm not the only tangent queen out there. No, you're not. People will be buying that for their wives. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Well, um, you still got to talk about everything you wanted to talk about, didn't you? Yeah, I did. There's a couple of other things, but I, I like the the way that I kind of got into Bitcoin there. So I don't want to bring up the other stuff that's written down. The tangent that you took back to Bitcoin. It's not I just wanted to use the word tangent yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many times can I say tangent in an episode? Um, how are you feeling about life in general, babe? Life's good. Life's good. We had a good weekend. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, now that Keon can sleep through the night. That, we, are, that, we are reborn. That is That is a game changer. <laughs> And yeah, you know, like, I guess when people listen to this, this will be our hopefully second episode that will not be edited by us. Mm -hmm. We just got through our first batch of trial edits. Um, three were really good. So we've narrowed it down to three now. Um, we're only going to publish one, but like three were really good. Um, and hopefully like a couple more episodes, we'll have that worked out. And like, we can turn these out a little faster. We can just record. And Ian and I can like really make recording a date night kind of situation and not be stressed out by having to do any of the work afterwards. I mean, there's still work, but... You know, less work. The part that of the show that I think is the most value that we bring is... The tangents. Is the tangents. <laughs> I am just... 
<laughs> cracking myself up today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the tangents usually actually lead to some really good points, right? Like I'm not knocking your tangents. It's just that <laughs> you do a lot of them, right? My brain. And you will even tangent yourself. Mile a minute, baby. Um, it moves fast. But I like tangents because like part of our podcast is me trying to come up with different ways of explaining Bitcoin and how it can affect and how to like explain it in concept terms versus like technical jargon. Mm -hmm. And so the thing like what's going on in Argentina and the global south and like everything I just like kind of describe, like I think that's another really good way to try to like explain to people what Bitcoin is and what it can do. And your tangents are what generate that. So like I'm not knocking it. It's just sometimes when I have like a list of things and we get through zero of them. <laughs> That's how I know it was a lot of tangents. Yeah. Yeah. This is the show notes from last week's show. I didn't change anything. Whatever. Just the block height. That's all I changed. Whatever. Look, I'm getting more sleep. My mind is a little sharper. I, I have tell. more to add. I can tell. Uh, yeah. I so can you're tell. welcome, baby. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I think the bringing on someone to do the editing is a really good addition to the pod and will enable us to put out more timely content, not necessarily maybe more content, but we can start to get ahead and have things scheduled to be published versus me editing it to the last second and then hitting publish. Um, that would be nice to have like a backlog that's just going to go out. And when we get to that point, then we can probably think about more and maybe some other types of content. But we got to get this show like processed up. Yeah, we're working on it. If there's anything you want us to talk about, uh, let us know. We have a ton of things that we want to talk about, but you know, you can always give us ideas. Make our lives easier. <laughs> a great way to do that is if you go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com, we have a newsletter. Um, but you can also communicate with us like through that site as well. You can always follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle for the show is flirting with BTC and you can follow us on Noster. I don't really know how to explain how to follow us on Noster, but check the show notes. There'll be a link to follow us in the show notes. But I can't, I'm not going to say out an entire public key on the show. Last but not least, our little baby boy turned six months old this past week. Halfway to one. Halfway to one. We are half a year into parenthood. I would say we're crushing it. I'll just wait to ask Keon how we're doing. Um, hey, buddy, do you remember like the first six months of your life? How would you say we did on a scale of one to five? Based on his giggles, I think we're doing great. Yeah, he does. He's a little a, giggle monster. So he does have a good giggle. We got to get him back on the pod. <laughs> yeah, he's like trying to say full sentences now. So no, he's not. He's he not, thinks he's saying he full sentences. Yes, yeah. He's like he's having a, a conversation. He's, he's like, like, I should have my own podcast. <laughs> Yeah, he should have a podcast where uh, he talks about what we talk about in front of him like like he doesn't know what we're saying. That would be a really funny podcast. You mean like the, the movie Look Who's Talking? Yes, like Look Who's Talking. He could call his podcast Tangent Baby. <laughs> I just have to get the word tangent in one more time. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Now let's get you set up on Fountain so you can start earning money simply by listening to podcasts. It's time to join the Fountainhead Nation. Go to fountain.fm to download the app onto your phone. Once you've installed the app and have set up your account, search for Flirting with Bitcoin and follow us. You should also be able to find and follow every other podcast you listen to as well. 
Listen to our show and episodes from your other favorite podcasts to earn your first sats, which are fractions of a Bitcoin, and keep an eye out for our promoted episodes on Fountain's homepage. We promote every episode so you can earn up to 100 sats just for listening. Yeah, that's right. Your attention's valuable to us. You're not just a set of earballs we've collected for advertisers. You can use the sats you've earned to send us a boost, which is like a little payment with a message. We are very active and respond to almost all the boosts we get. Every episode, we also give a shout out to the top boosters from the previous episode. And if you want to support us or other podcasters with more sats than you earn, you can top up your fountain wallet with a bank card or a lightning transfer from apps like Strike or Cash App. The easiest way to learn is to just get started. If you have any trouble or questions, go to support.fountain.fm. The team is extremely helpful and responsive. That's it. Now you're all set up for podcasting 2.0.